0: Lisa, you were listening when we were talking to the lovely people from HUG uh, about the work that they do for people bereaved by suicide. And I think it struck a nerve.
1: It did, because, first of all, I thought that the lady who spoke spoke so well and how she kept herself together. I will never know. Mm. And she makes such a valid point that when, you, when that does happen, you do need to speak to people who understand
0: Yes. Mm. Yeah. It's a skill you can't learn. You have to know it.
1: I don't think so, yeah. Unfortunately, you just kind of have to go through it to have any sense of Mm. how bad it is.
0: What happened to you? How much do you want to share?
1: Well, I'm happy to share everything, really, because it's important Mm. that, you know, the recovery afterwards is done properly for those left behind. Mm. And I have... uh, I think like things like hog should be broadcast uh, more. You know what I mean. Mm. There should be an easier route to get to it. Mm. You know. Mm. What's your own? Uh, story? The same a couple of years down the line, and that's the first time I heard of anything like that.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Was it your daughter, Lisa? <laughs> yes.
1: Yeah. she was 17 oh my god and, and she was out with her friends i came home from work on saturday and she was there with her best friend and they had like princess crowns on and you know the makeup was out of this world but they were wearing jeans like they were going to a party she said mm. and i was like "Geez, you're not really dressed for a party she was like Oh, no, I was just up in the house and, you know, so I said, Grant, see you later, have a good night, and that was it. Now, at 17, she would have been 18 in the August, so I was happy for her to have a drink, you know what I mean? I was fine with it. Yeah. I'd recently found out she was smoking, and I wasn't happy about that, you know, mm-hmm. but I was a smoker myself, so. Anyway, off she went, and she came home and her eyes were kind of glassy, and I was like, oh, you had a few drinks? And she was like, yeah. And then she goes, I'm going to bed. So I said, me too. I said, good night, Mom. Love you. Mm-hmm. And I said, good night. And that was the last time I ever spoke to her. Okay. I'm sorry. I, oh, I know fine. I'm crying, and it's difficult. It's but <laughs> So I woke up the next morning and I was putting her uniform on the red and my husband was making breakfast because we always had Sunday breakfast together and I went into her room and I went up and I touched her and she was freezing. Mm. So I screamed for my husband and we rang 999 and I worked on her until the ambulance came. Mm. And I knew she was dead because she was ice cold. Yeah. And the ambulance came and they took over, and then the guards came, and um, I just I was just waiting for them to tell me what's, what's the next. Like what do we do? Mm. So I have to say, like the guards were fantastic mm. because. They said straight out to me, Lisa, we have no training in this. Like, I have a seventeen-year-old son myself, and I worry about him because he doesn't talk. Yeah. And I was like, I wasn't worried about her. I don't know what happened. Do you know what I mean? I was like, this is unbelievable. Yeah. I I just couldn't believe it. So um. That's why, when you were talking about the guards, they're the first response to a lot of things we don't kind of take into consideration, and they're not trained for it. Yeah. And God love them. They tell you, you know what I mean? And they were so compassionate and kind. Yeah. So then they come and they removed the body and they took her to the morgue. And the morgue rang me, and they said, we're going to take good care of her. Which I thought was lovely because, you know, and um, yeah, that was it really, the the day and the the following days. And she was really popular. She used to go to Nakadoon every summer and work with kids, you know, who who needed help. And She had a lot of friends, but there was like five girls mainly. Yeah. And they were super people.
0: And did any of them have any inkling at all that something mightn't be right and with Nobody. No?
1: Nobody. Nobody. No. Because if she didn't want you to know something, you wouldn't.
0: Well, that, that's, being, be that, honest, that's 17 for you, like.
1: Yeah. And I respected her privacy as well too much, probably. I never took the phone off her and think, you know, I was always, I trusted her to tell me. Mm if there was something. And she did tell me a lot, like, you know, she'd say, Mom, I'm having a drink. And I'd say, yeah, you're in 18 now, you know, I, I get it. These are gonna happen. She was with the girls. I trusted them 100%. They had great parents and we all kind of knew the story. Yeah. And they were hilarious bunch, like her friends and herself. They all looked like each other, you know. The way you'd say I can pull my child out of a crowd, I'd be like I'd have difficulty with that if, <laughs> if the girls were with her. Yeah, yeah, You know what I mean.
0: I have a daughter myself. I know exactly what you're saying.
1: Yeah, because yeah. they all kind of morph into each other a bit, don't they? They do. Yeah. They do. So um, yeah. So after that um, I kind of just did what I was told. You know, go. Or I had the um the home-based crisis team calling to me to make sure it was okay and stuff. And I was like, this is weird, because they'd come in and, like, first thing they'd ask you is, do you feel suicidal? And I would be basically looking at them going, how do you think I'm going to survive this? Like, sorry. And then they'd say, "Um, did you have a drink? And I'd be like, I don't even drink. What are you on about? Do you know what I mean? And I felt like these questions were totally irrelevant yeah. So I said it like, I was like, this This is making me worse. So then they decided I'd go up and see a doctor. Right. And then each time I would go up, it would be a different doctor. So each time I would go up, I'd have to go through the same explain. And by the time i get to the end of it, sure, I'd be in pieces. Mm. And then they'd say, go away and come back in three weeks. And then it would be another doctor. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I wasn't happy about that. And then I was thinking of like, because there was an amount of children attending there. And I was like, these kids are coming in here, getting a new doctor every time and having mm-hmm. to re-explain, is that not re-traumatizing them to the Th- trauma? These
0: were the, the, the mental health yeah. services, like the...
1: Yeah, because yeah. that's what it felt like to me, that I was being re-traumatized. Right, each every time, time I we went had to in go there. through the story. Yeah. yeah. So then I started writing letters. Why does this happen? yada yada, all that kind of thing, you know, and it's wrong, you know, Mm -hmm. and um, anyway, that went on for a while and then I had this one particular doctor and I I literally, I I rang my own GP that week, I was like, I'm not getting any better, I need help, Mm -hmm. I'm going to go to the mental health services because I'm aware the GPs don't have the proper training, you know, they, they deal with so much yeah. that they can't specialize in this. And off I went, I, I told my husband where I was going. And I asked my friend to come with me. So she came with me and I went into this doctor. And I said to him, I want to die, like, I just want to die. And he said to me, "Um, did you drive here? And I was like, what? He said, did you drive here? And I was like, are you listening to me? I said, every time I close my eyes, I see my daughter and I don't know what to do. How how can I make it stop? And then he said, do you watch Netflix? I was like, what the absolute hell is going on here? And I said to him, I can't even leave the house because I get panic attacks and I started taking half a sleeping tablet to leave the house. And then he looked at me and he said, you do realise that your sleeping tablets are overprescribed. And the problem with people like you is, if you can't get the drugs, you're going to turn to drink. I was like, what is going on here?
0: A A medical professional said
1: this to you? Yes. Yes. And I have the letter of apology from him. Because when we left, I told my friend what happened. We were walking up the road and she was like... is unbelievable she rang my gp (laughs) see what i was doing was i was reliving the trauma because each time i went there i had to repeat it yeah you know yeah so this wonderful nurse put me in touch with a group who we've called the sunshine group and for the first time after a very long time i met people in the same boat as me yeah and they helped, but the difference between me and them was I had found my daughter. She was my only child. I had remarried, so I, I wasn't with her dad anymore, okay. and I was very alone. Hmm.
0: This is sometime after um, her death, I take
1: it, was it? Yeah. And um, when the first time I met them, I couldn't even get a word out, I was bawling. Like, And then I I was humiliated because I didn't want to come across crazy. I just wanted someone to help me. Hmm.
0: You wanted someone to kind of look and say, we've been there.
1: Yeah, yeah. And I realized as I was listening to them talking about their journey, how badly my start in the... um, mental health services was handled because the first thing you learn after living trauma is it's unhealthy for the patient to relive it you know and yeah. they made me do that each time I went because it was a different doctor
0: because you would have thought right you went in you explained it the first time notes yeah. should have been written up and even if it was another doctor you saw that next day they should have access to the notes they would know oh, the yeah. story so you don't have to keep revisiting it every time that seems like yeah. logic
1: they do have access to the notes but it's do they have time to read it so they're basically talking to you flicking through the pages yes yeah that's basically it and it was it was it was annoying to me because I was like you need to get this right mm. you need to get this right you know I'm I don't know what to do and you're supposed to help me and you're not helping me mm. you know yeah.
0: how many years on is it now Lisa? Six and you're still, you're still not righting yourself
1: <laughs> no I'm still in the system and right now, I have this fantastic psychologist, and I said to her, uh, "Don't you think it's too late for me?" And she said, "No, we have to try." Yeah. And I love her because she's brilliant, but I'm very aware of uh, the damage that was done, and I can't let it go.
0: Yeah. Like not only had you the trauma of your daughter, but then you had you felt you were traumatized by by the responsible services. It. Yeah.
1: Every time I went. Every single time. And I remember talking to one of the psychologists and I wrote him a letter about all the things that happened. And I said, Use this because I know what I'm talking about. Oh. You know? And I asked him, you know, have you lost loved one suicide and he said no I said then you don't understand Mm. so I'm gonna write it so you can use it so you can help people (laughs) and he was lovely but like at the end of the day PJ um, I do have a vendetta for our health system I definitely do with good reason Mm. because during a time where I was traumatized I had to write so many letters in order to make them stop.
0: Yeah, but the, the system didn't help. In fact, in your own view, it, it made, made you worse. worse.
1: Yeah, yeah. And do you know what? Now, um, you get a lot of kind of like, if you said to someone, what's my dream? Oh, it's to have no mortgage and, you know, not have to worry about finances and yeah. stuff. Yeah. You change when you lose someone like that because like your biggest fear is true and then nothing else matters yeah you know so i wasn't about to go suing the h as he or anybody i wanted it to be fixed how are you now so, i'm the most anti-social person because i can't
0: are you going to contact the the people at hug
1: I did. You did? they're so lovely. I did. Of course I did. I was like, thank you, because I haven't cried with relief in years.
0: Right. And tell me about calling them. You don't have to tell me what anyone said to you, but tell me about calling them. What Was it a, a new level of understanding or something that you met, yeah?
1: Yeah, do you know... Um, I would say I was never a social person, but I was a hairdresser, so I could, I kind of self-taught myself how to be social. Yeah. I'd never meet you for a coffee after work. You know, I was never one of them. But I always, I felt like connections with people were harder for me. Mm -hmm. And I had my daughter, so she was like, I was obsessed. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And, um... I said to the lady and Hog like the, thank you, um for making me feel like there are there is support for people now, mm. and thank you for letting me cry with relief because I haven't in a long time.
0: Those are powerful words, Lisa. Thank you for letting me cry with relief. Those are powerful words.
1: It's true. Oh, sorry, excuse me. I said to Fiona, I'd be so afraid to actually see PJ because I'd be like the Blair Witch Project. You know, when you tell yourself, don't cry now, just make a point. You're grand.
0: You're grand. Yeah. You know? And I'm very glad you've chosen to let it out here because I think what you're telling me and what you have told me will resonate with a lot of people who perhaps have never had the strength to speak it the way you've spoken it.
1: I hope so. And to recognize, you know, that our, the Guarati, I feel so sorry for them. They deal with so many things that we don't think of. Yeah. And there's no support for them. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And love them or hate them, their job is, I wouldn't wish it on my worst enemy. Yes. Yeah. You know?
0: Lisa, thank you so much for talking to me. Look after yourself, will you?
1: Thank you, and you deserve a pint after talking to me. (laughs) (laughs) Quartz 96 FM.